I'm going to ask that you stand with me while we read the Word of God, uh, while I read the Word of God, and then we'll pray again. Change of position is good here. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. That's Peter. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. And when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, four days ago about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once and you've been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him appear to appear not uh, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of all of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And while Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days the reading of God's word. And God, again, as Pastor Jeremy said, speak, speak to us, convict us, challenge us, encourage us, comfort us. Whatever you need to do, Lord, through your word today, as we dive a little deeper and, and uh, break this down a little bit and try to understand it. So we thank you for your word. Apply it by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I don't know if you noticed, but Acts chapter 10 is filled with, uh, I didn't go right back to the beginning, but the whole chapter is filled with invitational language. I love 
I love getting an invitation. Do you? Especially when there's food involved. <laughs> you knew I was going to say that, right? Like if somebody phones up and says, hey, would you come over for dinner or for a burger on the patio or, or whatever? You get a, you know, a more formal invitation in the mail to a, a banquet or a wedding or a meeting and, and you have to reply, right? There's an RSVP. I love getting invitations. So here, this passage, this text chapter is filled with invitational language. Cornelius sent two servants and a soldier to invite Peter to his house. Peter invited those messengers into his house. The next day, Peter responds to Cornelius' invitation. He goes to Caesarea, and while Peter and his associates are on the way, Cornelius is busy inviting all of his close relatives and friends to his house to come and hear what Peter has to say. There's a whole lot of inviting going on. I hope they had some good food there. But the invitation was put out and a reply needed to be given. You know, the RSVP. Répondez, s'il vous plaît. Would you please reply? What are you going to do with this invitation? Now, this text ultimately is not about Cornelius extending an invitation to Peter to come to his house. It's not about Peter inviting Cornelius' men into his house in Joppa. It isn't even about Cornelius inviting his family and friends to hear Peter, although those are all key components of the story. This, friends, ultimately is about God's invitation to each and every person on the face of the planet. This story happened centuries, millennia ago, but the invitation that God had for Cornelius and his family and his friends and to the Jews that Peter represented extend to every person today, including all of us sitting here this morning. God is inviting us into relationship with him and into deeper relationship and obedience to him once we become his disciples and followers. God invites us into relationship with him by receiving his work, which he accomplished in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus, who is very God, who came in flesh. And God invites us who have that relationship with Jesus to partner with him in his work. And the big question that God has for each and every one of you this morning, as he does for me, is, have you RSVP'd? Have you replied? to his invitation. Have you, will you, God is saying in this text, respond to me? Will you respond to Jesus' invitation to become his disciple, to believe in Jesus? And secondly, to his continued call in your life to share the gospel. I'm gonna talk a little bit about what this invitation requires as we find it in the text. Number one, God's invitation requires immediacy. Love this. Peter it says, um, after he invited, uh, you know, um, Cornelius' messengers, the two servants and the soldier into his house, they stayed the night. The next day he rose and went away with them. Urgency. No delay. He didn't wait. Jesus said to us, listen, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I think we talked about that this morning, about kids who need to hear about Jesus that come to this church, about people in the community that need the influence of gospel-believing people. So Jesus said, pray earnestly. This is urgent. Uh, as history unfolds, the urgency is becoming greater. Peter didn't delay. Next day he went. And then there's Cornelius. 
Love this guy. Cornelius wasn't even a believer. He believed in God. How many people today believe that there is a God or they believe in God, but they're not believers in Jesus? This guy, Cornelius, wasn't even a believer, and he knew that the matter was urgent. So when a soldier of Cornelius' stature, who's in charge of 100 men, who has seen battle, when he says it's time to move, it's time to move. There's, there's no dilly-dallying. God is at work. He's saying something. Let's get everyone together and hear what it is. Is that important? Is that urgent? Listen, is God inviting you this morning into his work? Is God inviting you into relationship with him? And I want to say this, don't wait. Don't wait. The longer you wait, the harder it is to respond. And it's, it's less and less likely that God will, you'll even hear God's voice or that he will speak to you. It's what happens if we just continually shut out God and refuse the invitation. How many of you get these invitations in the mail, uh, you know, an RSV, RSVP, like to a wedding that's coming up or a, a banquet of some kind? And you go, okay, I got to respond by like October the 15th, right? <clears throat> So you put it on the magnet on the fridge or you just put it in the drawer because you don't want it lying around. And then all of a sudden on October the 20, 20th, you're like, oh, I forgot to reply to that. I wonder if there's time. And sometimes you get shut out. It's too late. When God extends an invitation, when he is speaking and moving and asking you to do something, it is time to respond. Now, I want to share a couple of scriptures with you. Paul said in, to the Corinthian church, Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Don't wait. I wouldn't want anyone to walk out the doors of this church today if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. I wouldn't want you to walk out an unbeliever because the consequences are just too dire. We don't know our lives from one moment to the next. We don't know what's going to happen when we go out there to our health, to our bodily safety. We get in the car and drive. We get, I get in a motorcycle and drive, ride. Dangerous stuff. We got to be sure. Hebrews 3.14, the writer said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Don't put that invitation in the drawer. Secondly, God's invitation requires impartiality. That means without prejudice or bias. It means equal treatment. Peter, when he, he still didn't really figure out what was totally going on, all he knew is he's got to go to Cornelius' place. He had this vision. Okay, <sighs> what I thought was unclean, now God, you're saying clean. I'm not quite sure exactly what the connection is to why I'm supposed to go to his place. He said, okay, I, I, you invited me. Here you are. God is speaking. And he said to Cornelius, so I came without objection after being shown that he should not call any person common or unclean because God shows no partiality. That's what this text says. One of the reasons I think that we hesitate when it comes to being obedient to, to Christ and what he's asking us to do is because we love our comforts, right? We, we have our favorite people that we love to hang around. I'm okay with this group, but I feel awfully uncomfortable in that setting or with that group. Peter was there. 
And God said, go. Get out of your comfort zone. It doesn't matter. See, God required Peter to be impartial because God is 100% impartial. Verse 34, Peter opened his mouth. Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. You see, it doesn't matter, like Cornelius, how many alms you give, how much praying you do, how devout you are, how good you are, how professional you are as a soldier, how much people love you. It doesn't matter, on the other hand, how dirty or unworthy or unclean or ashamed you are or feel. If you are without Christ, you are lost and you are in need of him because we are all sinners. We are all in the same boat. And God loves us all so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And that means for you, for me, and for everybody beyond these walls. Why do I hold God to his promise to forgive me on the merit of Jesus' work on the cross and then withhold my forgiveness from others when they wrong me and withhold God's forgiveness to others because I don't want to be around them. This is challenging for me because I expect God to do this for me based on his promise and his finished work in Jesus and then I hold it back from others. Well, that person is too unclean. They're so unworthy. They're offensive. Listen, so were you. So was I to a holy God. And he forgave me and he forgives you. We've all sinned and we all desperately fall short of God's glory. And he loves us so much that he died for us while we were sinners and even his enemies. Here's a picture of God's impartiality. Love this, Revelation 7, it's on the screen. After this, John said, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God to, who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might belong to our God forever and ever. Amen, amen. Because salvation belongs to our God and he gives it to everyone. He gives it to everyone in North America and South America and Asia and Africa and Europe and even Australia, Heath. And, and, and Arctica, believe it or not, of all people. And he gives his salvation to the straight or to the gay or to the blue collar or to the white collar or the homeless or the millionaire. Because he wants all people to believe in him and to repent and receive forgiveness of sins. And that's why Romans 16, Paul wrote to the Romans, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
God's invitation requires not only impartiality, but intentionality. I love, I love this text. There's three things, actually four, that we need to be really intentional about when it comes to God's work and his invitation. Number one is we need to be intentional about uh, uh, inclusivity, to include others. So Peter, when, when he gets up and goes to tell Cornelius what God is gonna say, show him what he should say, Peter didn't go alone. He right away took, he took a bunch of people with him. Uh, he said he took some of the brothers from Joppa who accompanied him. Love that. Team ministry. Uh, we believe in that. And it's a pattern in the, in the New Testament with Paul, the other apostles. We do this here at Central. That's why we present all these opportunities for you because we believe that we can share the gospel better together. Not alone. To, to do team ministry. We need strong teams of people and children and youth and worship and, and, and all of these things, Right? But Cornelius too, love it. He invited others to hear. As I said before, he was doing evangelism and he wasn't even saved. When God, you know, when you, there's an opportunity for, for you know the gospel is gonna be shared. The easiest form of evangelism is just to invite people to come and hear. And, uh, and we can do that. We have to be intentional about including other people. We have to be very intentional about giving glory to God, to the person whom it belongs. Our tendency is to worship all the wrong things, to get proud, conceited. And when Peter showed up, Cornelius was so moved, he fell on the ground and worshiped, and Peter literally grabbed him. Stand up. You and I are both humans. We're both men, nothing more. All glory belongs to God. We just read that in Revelation. All glory belongs to God. And we have to be so careful to deflect any and all glory to whom it belongs. To God only. To Jesus Christ. His name is above every name because he is the lamb who is worthy. He was slain. He shed his blood for the sins of the world. And to him belongs glory. And we need to point people there. But we also need to be intentional about our witness. So Peter, you know, uh, Cornelius says, okay, you're here. Tell us everything that God commanded you. And then it said in verse 34, so Peter opened his mouth. We're all waiting, Cornelius says. Peter could have been silent, but he opened his mouth. What do you do when you're presented with an opportunity to speak and to say something meaningful to someone else? You know, listen, we... And I'm guilty of this. Like, friends, I'm pretty intense this morning, but this sermon is for me, okay? It's for me, 100%. God has convicted me on all of this stuff. You see, I can, it's so easy for me to talk about the weather or to talk about the things I like, my motorcycle, your hobbies, our favorite sport or our favorite restaurant or food. We can talk and talk and talk about viruses and vaccines. But do we talk about Jesus? That's why Peter was invited there. He could have gone in a million directions, but he brought it strictly to Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am convinced that if we would talk as much about Jesus as we do talk about current affairs in our world, 
Everybody would have heard the gospel and probably most people would be Christians by now. If we were that passionate about Jesus as we are about everything else, the things that divide us. Let's talk about what unites us. Christ unites us at the cross. And that's where we need to camp. Amen? Can I get a witness to that? Amen. Hallelujah. That's what we got to do. In Philippians, Paul wrote to the Philippians, above all, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. Listen, we live in BC. I get that. We live in Canada. There's an election going on. Advanced polling right next to us. We got, we, you know, we've, we've, we got the laws of our land and all that kind of stuff. But we're not citizens here. Ultimately, we're citizens of heaven. We need to remind ourselves of that on a daily basis. And we need to live that way. Paul said, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Citizens of heaven, the good news of Jesus, period. We got to know the gospel if we're going to open our mouth. So what did Peter say? I'm going to summarize the gospel for you really quick in four points. Jesus is the Lord. So Peter said, he came in the flesh, he was anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit, and uh, he was sent to proclaim good news and give his life. Jesus is Lord. He's God. Secondly, Jesus died on a cross. That's what Peter said, he died. He died on a cross to appease the wrath of a holy and righteous God, to atone for our sin. He is our propitiation. Third, Jesus was raised from the dead by God. And he proved his resurrection by bodily appearances to real human witnesses. Who wrote it all down? Fourth, Jesus will one day judge the living and the dead. There's the gospel. Don't confuse it with anything else. Jesus is Lord. He's God. He died. He was raised from the dead. And he will judge the living and the dead at a time in the future. Which side of that judgment are you going to be on? Paul summarized it even more succinctly in 1 Corinthians 15, where he talks, uh, goes into a long teaching on the resurrection, but he said in chapter 15, it'll be on the screen, now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then the 12 and then a whole bunch of other people. Witnesses. And in verse 43 of our text, Peter says, to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Boom, that's it. There's the gospel. So God's invitation results in a few things. This is awesome. Number one, it results in believers. <laughs> we we got to get back to bi biblical language because Christians or Christianity, while, be, while true, it, there's so many different meanings of that and Christians have got a bad rap and a bad name and all of that for various reasons. But if you say, I'm a believer in Jesus or I'm a disciple or follower of Jesus Christ, there's so much clarity in that. So let's, let's go there. It results in believers. They believed. Two kinds. The unsaved believed in Jesus. And 
the Jews were there, the, the circumcised, the ones who had already believed in Jesus and the Holy Spirit had been given to them back in Acts chapter two. They became believers all over again, really, because they're like, wow, this is for everyone. It's not just for us. This is exciting. So there was like two kinds of believers, like first time in Jesus and those who were kind of like, wow, this is good. This is happening again. And the gospel is for everyone. 1 John 5, 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. We all need to believe this. Whether you're here this morning and you've never put your faith in Christ or you've been a Christian for a long time, we need to get back to this and talk about it. God's invitation results in believers and baptisms. Again, there's two kinds of baptisms. The gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out upon these people. Without the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, no one can be saved. And the work of the church cannot carry on. Titus 3, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And we see that the Holy Spirit was poured out because they had believed in Jesus, in his saving grace, in his work. They believed that the Holy Spirit was given. It was like a mini Pentecost. And going back to like Acts 2, same thing happened over again. Is that prescriptive or normative for the church? No, but it was here to show that the gospel now was also given to the Gentile people, to those who were non-Jewish. Does that mean that it can happen in the same way? Absolutely. And I pray for it. I pray that people will believe and the Holy Spirit will be poured out every Sunday in this place. Every day of the week in our community, people will believe in Jesus, his grace, that he accepts everybody without any partiality, that the gospel will be shared and the Holy Spirit will come. And the second baptism is that of water, which is a sign that we believe. Water baptism sealed the deal. And Jesus said in Matthew 28, all authority has been in heaven and earth been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This morning, I want to ask you, are you a believer in Jesus? And are you baptized? What are you waiting for? God's invitation results in bewilderment. That's the last thing. Acts 10, 45. The believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. They were astonished. They were astonished. I long, I long that people would look at us in astonishment and, a, and amazement and a, and a good bewilderment. Not because we're weird and have strong opinions on divisive issues, but because we're so full of the Holy Spirit. And because the Spirit is so powerfully at work among us. So this morning, if you are not a believer, would you RSVP to Jesus? Would you believe the gospel, the good news about Jesus? Going back again to the first Pentecost, Acts 2. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
respond to the invitation this morning that he has for you. The very last chapter of the book, the Spirit says to us, and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, let those who are thirsty come, let the one who desires take the water of life without price. If you've already received Christ, respond to his call in your life to be a faithful witness to him like Peter. And again, this morning, receive Christ, repent, be baptized. If you're a believer and you've never been baptized, what are you waiting for? Get baptized. Get on with it. Join, join the movement of sharing the gospel, the good news with other people. Let's pray. And then we're going to watch some baptisms, <laughs> which is exciting. God's at work among us. Thank you, Lord for what you're doing. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you accept each and every one of us. We were all your enemies. We're all sinful. And there's so many people out there from all walks and ages and ethnicities and backgrounds and lifestyles that just need you. Open doors for the gospel that we would proclaim it faithfully and that others would come to believe in you and be baptized. I ask in Jesus' name, amen.